1: And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And as always, hope you don't get tired of hearing this, but we've got a great show planned for you today. And I really mean it. Well, I mean it every time I say it, but I really mean it because we've got uh, a great interview uh, with an old friend of the show, Brent Johnson, Santiago Capital, Chief Investment Officer of Santiago Capital, a friend of the show, a friend of mine. Uh, very bright investment mind. Um, But Brent has been very singularly focused on currency markets, especially the U.S. dollar, because in my opinion, he correctly believes that at the base of all these movements, the U.S. dollar is lurking somewhere in the shadows. And and as the world reserve currency, um, you know, I think it's the part of markets and and the part of investing that nobody really talks about. What I mean by that is that... um, You know, a dollar going down is going to have an impact on almost every asset class in the world. Um, Some of them will be predictable. Some of them won't. Uh, Dollar going up has an impact on every asset in the world. And most of them are pretty predictable. There's always a couple outliers here and there. But bottom line is anything in the world can be happening. And depending on dollar movement, it won't matter. Right? And I don't think enough people realize that. And why is that? Because international commerce is connect, connected via the U.S. dollar. So it touches everything, energy markets, importing costs, manufacturing costs, right? Um, all of that stuff. So, you know, understanding what's happening in the U.S. dollar uh, is a cornerstone. and I And I feel like, and this is always the case, but I feel like when you get deep into these bull markets where you've got you know, all these people doing ridiculous things and paying ridiculous valuations and believing that this is for some reason, even though they're old enough to know the difference or they're old enough to know better, they still get suckered in and believe that this is the ride that's never going to end. That type of investor is usually not the type that is focused on the currency side of it. And, you know, as and earlier in my career, I guess you probably could have chalked me up as one of those people. But as you go down the road, you realize that if this one thing touches everything, it's probably something I should be paying attention to on a daily basis, and as a matter of fact, it is. That's one of our absolute biggest macro indicators, right? The movement of the dollar. Um, if you get the movement of the dollar right, it makes uh, it makes the rest of this game substantially easier. And it's not easy to get it right. I'm just saying it's not something that you're going to hear a lot of Jim Cramers of the world talk about. And I've always, I've always been sort of, and that's not a knock on Jim. He's not the only one, but but I've always been amazed by that because. Regardless of what your thesis is, regardless of what technology, how great a company is or whatever, the one thing that can trump all of that is the movement in the U.S. dollar. So anyway, so Brent is the guy to talk to. U.S. dollar has been making some noise here um, in a a very different way than most would anticipate, especially considering the inflationary pressures. And there's a reason for that. Um, And this is something that Brent and I have talked about in many occasions in the past. And I think that a lot of what we've talked about has come to be absolutely true. And it's not because he, uh, and to a lesser extent, I am more intelligent than everybody else. Um, I just, you know, I just, I think there are certain, I've never really understood it. I think that they're really, it's kind of like the bonds being bad story. You know, everybody always asks us, why do you guys use bond replacement? Why are you so anti-bonds? And I go, I don't understand the point of that question. Right, you have an asset class that is paying you like one-fifth of the inflation rate. You got to pay an expense fee to do it. And when interest rates go up, with the Fed just, Fed just told you that they were going to, that asset loses money. I, I you know, I can explain why we use the bond replacement strategy really quick. It's cheaper, it makes more money, and it's far more secure. What are your reasons for using bonds? Right, and So it's like this lack of logic that's left. So there's all kinds of things like that in the investment world that don't make sense of it when when you actually know the facts. And I think one of them is people not paying attention to the dollar, that being a core part of how they look at the world. Um, I, I, Yeah, I've just never understood it. So anyway, Brent's going to be like our tour guide in that discussion. You won't want to miss it. He's a great guy to talk to, great guy, uh, honest guy, self-deprecating. And um, like we always say, I don't want to interview the show ponies on this show. I want to interview the workhorses and I would consider Brent one of those guys. So We're not into flash looking good. We're just into, you know, we're into the work um, because of the flash and the image. It's the other thing I'll give you a warning about. The more flashy an image or the more like master of universe image you see in an investment guy, run the other way. They're always frauds. Like, and maybe not like illegal fraud, but they're just telling you about the wins. They're not telling you about the losses, right? Perfect example is this Mark Minervini guy. I don't know him personally, but... He went on CNBC a couple weeks ago. I think we talked about it on the show. He's self-appointed stock guru, all this kind of stuff. One of his top picks was a new SPAC company called Upstart Technologies. The thing, we we bought it as a trade at like 190. It flew to 230. We sold it just because it was ridiculous, and we just thought we'd catch a wind in a quick trade, and we did. Um, But that thing like went up to 400, and he was sitting there saying it's going to go to six, 650, and the the it was just ridiculous. There was no value there, Um, and. He's, he's on CNBC talking about it and they go, what do they do? And he starts stumbling. He doesn't know what the company even did. And then he pretended like he couldn't hear the answer, like he'd been cut off from the, from the news anchor. Well, that company dropped from 400 down to like 150, 160, something like that over the course of like a month. Um, it's just, it, anyway, he's one of those guys that I'm the stock guru. They just, they don't tell you about this stuff. I, again, I'll just piece of advice. If you run into those guys, I'm a stock guru. I'm best stock guy. You know, just the, the, the real, the real big hitters in this business don't act like that. And they don't act like that because it's not magic. It's work. It's a process. It's discipline. It's time. It's studying. Um, and, and it's taking licks, right? It's the other side of it in this business. Nobody comes out clean. You manage money for long enough, you're going to get hit. Um, it's just the way it is. So anyway, let's get into the market update though. Um, we're going to have that talk with Brent. That will air for like the last 10 to 15 minutes of the show. And if you want to hear the remainder of it, you got to log on to the, uh, uh, the uh, podcast. Another note I want to bring up to you guys. If you guys enjoy listening to the show, especially if you're somebody that listens to it uh, weekly, please do me a favor. And even if you're not going to listen to it via the podcast. Now, I know it's you know, we've got a lot of listeners that are, you know, 50, 60 years and older. A lot of them are tech savvy. A lot of them aren't. They just rather listen on the radio. I get it. The podcast is a lot more convenient. You can listen to it whenever you want to, right? So, um, and you can fast forward through commercials, all that kind of stuff. The other reason why, and I've never brought this up because I honestly didn't really think about it. If you're still not going to listen to it via the podcast, do us a favor and get on there and subscribe. Um, our subscribership has grown a lot. Our downloads are approaching a million downloads. So that's what's pretty, pretty cool. Um, but the higher those numbers get, the easier it is to attract really good guests. So, uh, do us a favor and subscribe, even if you're not going to do that. And, um, Whatever, that's great. And you can do that at knowyourriskradio.com, or capitalmanagement.com. You can just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast and we come right up. So, uh, anyway, market update, a couple things. What's happening in markets? Um, to me, guys, I, I've heard some really funny comments about this explanation about why markets have rebounded here this week, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, I've mentioned this before, probably multiple times. I've always found it so amusing how these talking heads have to get on there and tell you why every move happened and give you a reason, right? And so often you hear the reasons and you're like, and, and I heard a bunch of reasons this week. Um, guys, to me, this is just all about, uh, I think it was Monday afternoon, Jen Psaki came out from the White House and said, we're not going to lock down again. Markets rallied, oil went up, boom. That's, I think to read into anything other than that is misguided. Um, so that to me is what this is all about. I think we told you last week. We're not gonna, you know, we've been telling you the last couple of weeks. They're not gonna shut down again. Not when we're looking at the data of this variant. Not when you're looking at the weariness of people in this country, and frankly, all around the world about being locked down again. Um, you know, you got doctors from Stanford stepping up and saying lockdowns are not the answer. We need to learn how to live with this thing. I really think we've turned the lockdown corner. And I think anytime we see sell offs based on lockdown fears, unless something new were to come to light and it would have to be pretty extreme, um, those are probably just buying opportunities, right? Um, so, you know, keep, keep that in mind. Um, the other thing you're seeing here, um, if you were short arc based on listening to its talk, I want to update you. We sold that position on Monday, uh, got out of there around 95. I want to say, um, reason for that was a, if the lockdown threat is gone, I don't want to be short that thing. Um, B here's the other reason why we did it. If you really want to short that stuff, I understand But you have a massive support level in that stock at like ninety to eighty nine dollars. Okay, so we're sitting there at ninety five. I still think it's gonna be a great opportunity to short it at some point. But I'm going, look, if I stay long here, what I'm hoping for is it to break that bottom support line right at that ninety eight, ninety nine or excuse me, ninety to eighty nine dollar level. If it breaks through that and gets down to eighty eight, I can jump on it and I've only given up a seven percent gain, right? The flip side is this thing I mean guys, in this market I've said it, like, you know, this thing could easily run back to its highs. I mean, look at Tesla for God's sakes. In the last two days, Tesla's up 160 billion dollars in market cap, or you know, two and a half Fords, because Elon Musk said he's done selling stock. Um, you know, I thought the insanity part of this whole thing was over. The, the ridiculous high flying, it may not be. It may not be. And my whole attitude is, is arc to me is sort of the the sign. And it's why we have a joke in this business that we talk about all the time, which is strong convictions loosely held because nobody knows what's going to happen. But what I do know is that if ARC is going to collapse, it's got to cross through 90, right? So why don't I wait for it to violate that support line and then I'll jump on its back at that point, right? Until then, I don't want to be involved in this. We made a quick six or 7% on the trade. It was a buffer in the portfolio. It did what we needed it to do. I'm not going to sit in there and get washed out. Now you look at the bounce back. Tesla, up, a mega cap up 13% in two days because the CEO said he's done selling stock. Uh, okay, right? These are signs to me that it might not be over. I don't, those things haven't broken out. It's not clear yet, but nothing would surprise me. Um, and, then, and then other things in the market update. Oh, where did my fact, did my sheet go here? Um, shoot, I had my sheet. Well, um, I'll just go from memory here. Uh, Other things, energy, like I said, you've seen a bounce back, especially in oil. Uh, Nat gas is really noisy right now. Um, I I continue to think because of supply constraints. I don't want to get too big into the energy thing. Um, Well, because we've got our year-end special next weekend with Marcos, who runs our algorithmic portfolio, and then Chase Taylor, our macro analyst. Next week's show is like an hour and 50-minute roundtable discussion about between the three of us, between the year in review and then looking forward to next year. And we spend an inordinate amount of that discussion talking about energy on all different sides of, uh, of the discussion. Um, so I don't want to get into that too much. But, <clears throat> um, I, you know, I still, nat gas is very noisy. Um, if you're playing nat gas, be careful because there's still a massive disconnect between European and Asian prices and, and prices here in the U.S. We would suspect that and would typically be the case that if that pressure stays on energy prices, which there's no sign of it abating anytime soon, that it will it will it should close that gap at some point. Um, but that's yet to be seen. Um, what is interesting to me now is that XOP and these energy ETFs that are tracking the energy oil has bounced from you know 67 was it like 67 68 last week, pushing 75 already. So already a nice bounce in oil. The oil stocks really aren't going with it. They had a nice day yesterday. Oil's up another 1.3% today. This is Wednesday we're recording. Um, and the oil stocks really aren't tracking it. Um, and we'll discuss that. I, I, I have, That doesn't surprise me. I have no problem with that. I'll explain to you why. Um, you know, other things happening in the market that are of note. Um, kind of a lot of random movement. I think some of the, some of the uh, you know, shellackings that some of this stuff took. I, you're starting to see a little bit of a bounce back over the last uh, couple of weeks. But, um, you know, it reminded me going through this the last couple weeks and the last month. On Monday, we had multiple clients call, I think it was two or three, call and want to go into cash. And I kid you not, now we, we, we weren't down big. Like I said, the value portfolio is still outperforming the S&P by a, by a statistical significant number, I think three or 4%. Uh, algorithm is still lagging a little bit. We've had a good year. Um, but that energy pullback hit us a little bit. Uh, not horribly cause we hedged out the majority of the risk. I've talked to you guys about that, but, um, <clears throat> you know, you're going to see, I think what you're going to see is a lot of that stuff that got blown up in those last couple. weeks. Oh, I, I remember what I was going to say. Clients all start calling. The interesting thing when they called on Monday is that we were essentially at a market neutral position, meaning we'd reached the maximums of our risk ranges. So like on Monday, I think the market was down like 1.3%, something like that. We were flat. Um, and that's when the clients wanted to panic and pull into cash. And I go, guys, the, the, the portfolio is doing that for you automatically. Right? Relax. The other thing is, is that when we get those calls... I literally said this to guys, I go, this is probably, this is probably our bottom, right? One of the nice things about having a risk managed portfolio guys is you don't need to worry about a market collapse. You could still lose some. I'm not saying that, but you're not going to get smoked by 40 or 50. I've told you guys before last March, our average client was down five and a half to 6%. Why? The risk management, the the risk maximums hit the portfolios and they de-risked. It's the way it works. You don't have to freak out and go to cash. The other thing, I sit there how many of you are sitting there on, on, on pins and needles on Monday going, is this the beginning of a new? Take that fear off the table. Risk management, guys, it works. One of the reasons we do it, Monday's a perfect example. While the market's getting hit again, we're sitting there flat and it really allows us that calm space to assess things. We actually bought a little bit more on Monday, right? Because we're calm. We're not getting smacked. We're not sitting there worried about whether this goes against us. We've hedged out the majority of our risk and no matter what happens, we'll be fine and as investors you can think that way too and lower your fees and increase your upside potential i just there's a better way to do it there's a better way to do it and i think we've had a lot of good calls on the show including telling you this is all about lockdown and lockdown isn't going to happen so don't freak out it's going to be a rough ride but we got to stick with we got to stick to the plan that's kind of what's happening so we developed some credibility we know what we're doing there's a better way give us a call 866-779 risk and 866-779 risk Go to the radio show website, KnowYourRiskRadio.com, or CapitalManagement.com. Follow us on Twitter at KYR Radio. You guys know the drill. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
0: Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com.
2: Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right
1: now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation. And it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a serious gamble with your retirement. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets.
2: Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement with the firm's license to conduct business. poor Capital's DBA of Clerk Creek Financial Management, registered investment advisor.
3: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management.
1: And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Okay, so went a little bit over on that opening segment. Surprise, surprise. But one of the things that I saw this week, and one of the things we were talking about here in the office, is we all know about the push to green energy, right? We all know about renewables and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I cheer that stuff on. I, I think the vast majority of us want a clean planet. You know, the question I have that I think is pretty relevant is if we pursue these policies and these technologies at this point, can we still power our grids? Um, a lot of the powers that be do not prioritize that need quite as highly as I do. Uh, why, I do not know. But one of the things we were talking about is the lunacy of current current energy policy. And I, 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 we, we, I stumbled on something the other day that we were talking about here in the office that I just thought was really funny on the face of it. So... We know what the deal is, right? Everything that does green energy, everything that's renewable energy, there is no too high evaluation to pay for it. It's the future, blah, blah, blah. We're getting rid of oil. We all know this stuff, okay? Now, we're going to never mind for a second that the facts say something completely different, which is there's no way that renewables can power the grid in 10 or 20 years. It's not... I mean, I suppose some incredible technology like cold fusion could come, right? But I mean, it would take something that's like the equivalent of a you know, an Edison light bulb, motor, you know what I mean? And that's possible. And if that does, you can change all those metrics. But when you're talking about something as sensitive as energy, that's probably not a move you should make until you have somewhere better to go, right? It's like having a family of five and selling your house and packing up the moving trucks before you've rented an apartment or bought somewhere else. To it may not be the best idea. could add some serious complications and problems. And one of the interesting things we are looking at is when you look especially at these electric vehicle companies and the insane valuations they have on them, right? And, and, and people are going to come up with, oh, it's the wave of the future. It's, this, it's an automobile, okay? If you think gross margins on electric vehicles are going to be substantively different than they are on traditional ICE, I, you know, internal combustion engines, ICE vehicles, you, you're, you're on drugs. It's, it's not. As a matter of fact, electric vehicles are the least profitable, which is why they'll have to be subsidized. Now the cost of them will go down in time. That's what happens in markets and things like that. I'm not saying that, but it's insane. And so you see all these companies, Tesla obviously being the biggest one that sticks out with these ridiculous market caps that literally have nothing tied to them as far as reality. It's all hype. And I was sitting there going, Tesla's market cap is the is is, is the same or very close to the same as the value of the entire energy sector of the S&P 500. And Tesla operationally runs a profit-free business, right? You take away the tax rebates and they don't have profit on an operational basis. And if they don't sell Bitcoin, they don't profitable either, but we'll leave that one out of there for now. Why, why not have companies like Tesla dilute their stock by 10% and buy up of the U S energy sector and use the profits from that business to drive innovation and growth on the renewable energy side. Why are we demonizing all of these companies whose products we need for the current economy? When those when those profits could be the very thing that fuels innovation and and development, right? And more importantly, those energy companies producing those profits have more to lose and more to gain from doing that than anybody else, right? If they don't make a pivot to greener energy, they're not going to have a business. It is insane to me. The misallocation of capital in this business, in, the, in this market right now, is just insane to me. We're going to demonize those companies rather than using them as the cash machine to redo the grid, to re, you know, to, 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 to invest in new green energies. No, no, we, 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 because it's more important for us to virtue signal and tell everybody how good and clean we are and how much cleaner we want the environment than being practical. If you want to transition to green energy... All the capital needed is right there, and it's never been trading at cheaper prices. Meanwhile, you have these companies over here who have no viable technology to get us to renewable energy in a credible way, in a lasting way, in a way that we can really power the grid, and they're all cashless. They're all burning cash with ridiculous high valuations. It's just crazy to me, the misallocation of capital. It's like we're sitting there going, nah, nah, nah. I, look, we could run. We can run the marathon with one hand tied to one of our feet. We'll hop along. We can do it. And you're like, or you could just run unabated. No, 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 no. We got to do it this way. You're like, why? It'll be faster too. I... Anyway, we got to take a quick break. <laughs> Active management, you guys know the drill. Not having to sit there and wring your hands every time something collapses while still lowering your fees, increasing your upside. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Don't go away. We're going to be right back to jump into some more market updates and other crazy stuff we saw this week. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe to knowyourriskradio.com.
0: This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
2: Hey, it's Tori Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because
1: of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost.
2: Call now for your copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement where the firm's license to conduct business. Bullwork Capital's DBA of Clerk Creek Financial Management, registered investment advisor.
3: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management.
1: And we are back. All right. Thank you for sticking with us. Another interesting thing that came out. Now, I look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot before I aim here. That's always a little bit dangerous. But saw some news announcements this morning that new sanctions have been levied against China. Oh, good. The administration's talking tough against China. I read through a, a very uh, truncated summary of that. So I, 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 I cannot speak to this. So give me some wiggle room if this ends up not being exactly how it's laid out. But from what I can see, they are sanctioning certain regions of China. Okay? What that means is precisely nothing. Because right? China's going to look at you and go, well, it's funny you say that. We moved our factory. It didn't come from this region. Right? Um, so to me, that that's, means nothing. It should have no impact. If you're wondering why that isn't roiling markets, and that is, in my, from what I've seen so far, and I have not dug through it, it is ceremonial in nature. It does nothing. There's no teeth to it. So don't expect that to you know, change the course of Alibaba stock or anything like that. I don't really think that that's, I don't think it's really actionable. I don't really think there's anything there. Um, uh, other interesting stuff that we've seen, like I said, I, I, where I think that you should be looking, um, especially if where we're flirting with a new all time here on the S&P, uh, let's see, 50, uh, 70, 47, 43. Um, I... Look, if you if especially if that if you set a new high here on the S&P, I would expect this to be sort of a delayed Santa Claus rally. That's what we're positioned for, just kind of floating into the end of the year. Uh maybe markets pick up another 2 to 3% here before the end of the year. Obviously, that's going to be omicron, you know, headline sensitive. Um like I said, should markets be reacting to it like they are? No. But there's a lot of things <laughs> that aren't working like they should, right? So, um You know, I I wouldn't say it's all clear sailing. It does look like pretty smooth seas from where we're sitting here as it relates to the overall market through the end of the year. Um, Typically, the year, typically, the week between Christmas and New Year's is up and serene, and it tends to be very low volume. Um, Very rarely do you get any carnage in that last week. People are like, what about 2018? Well, think back to 2018, you had carnage at the end of the year. But everything bottomed on Christmas Eve, and you saw a furious comeback in the week after Christmas. So, again, not, not trying to make predictions, but I would just say, you know, I think you're safe for now uh, with that last pullback. And kind of like it's looking at that point, it was all based on the new variant, Omicron, or however the word, how the heck you say it. Uh, and the news coming out that variant is, like I said, it's just cracked us up. I mean, it, that was that was found, basically discovered, in origi- you know, discovered in South Africa and the doctor that was the one that ran into it first was just saying right out of the gates, it's been way more mild. It's not, not nearly as big a deal. And then watching the panic ensue. I, it's kind of, it's kind of turned into a weird deal with me just because we look at, you know, again, keeping politics and emotions out of investing because they don't make good bedfellows. That's for sure. Uh, but the hysteria in the world today, um, I think it's, Frustrating and sad at the same time. Um, I don't think it's anything that we shouldn't take seriously, but it, it really is sort of befuddling to me in the sense that I didn't think people like to be scared, um, and maybe they don't. I, I, I just, and my wife has to remind me. She goes, "Honey, most people aren't as cold." <laughs> I'm not a cold person. Again, I, you doing this job just it, it calluses you. Um, just because the less preconceived notions you have going into anything, the better off you are, and so you just become data reliant with as little emotion as possible. So I understand that people are built differently. It's just odd to me the response. Um, it's odd to me the morality that's assigned to the response. I, j- I just, it's as if you're not panicking, you're not a good person. I, I just, I don't understand that, and I never will. Um, you know, it's it's like in battle they say that. Literally, a good officer will tell you, you never trust the first report. There's too much noise. And the same is true in life. And I think we've got a ton of examples of that through this whole COVID thing. Um, What I actually think is I think that the Omicron variant could very well be a blessing in disguise, assuming it doesn't swamp out hospitals. And here's why. It's way less severe, but it's way more contagious. It gets us to group immunity faster, herd immunity, right? Um, And personally... You know, and there's that, there's, there's the fear peddlers out there. I have no idea when they're going to quit playing their game, but you know, from the looks of it, I really think that COVID is going to be pretty much behind us in the next three to six months. I really do. Um, I think that the other thing is that the populace is getting less and less responsive to the fear, the fear porn, I call it. Um, You know, and and, and again, that's not being reckless. I, I just, you can't stay locked down, right? At some point we have to face this and the most vulnerable around us need to be safe. And those less vulnerable around us, we need to look out for those people. Um, I don't want to be reckless. But it's just amazing to me where we've got in the world. There's no room in the middle, right? You're either cavalier and don't care about killing people. Or you're the height of virtue if you're pro-vaccine and pro-mandate. I just, I don't. And I'm not going to sit here and try to go on another diatribe about how the middle has been lost. Because we see evidence of that all over the place. It's just the hilarity of it all, I just find to be exhausting. Um, <clears throat> looking at other things here in the market, guys, I, you know, I think it really all comes down to the Omicron fear. Um, I, I don't see anything really inhibiting this going forward. I mean, next year, you've really got to watch out for the, the, the rate hikes because if they really start hiking rates and they pull back on QE as much as, I, as they say they are, um, that to me will be the absolute nail in the coffin of all the insane stuff that's got no revenue, no profit with crazy market caps. It, it always is. That liquidity starts pulling in and, and sanity starts returning to that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I will tell you something else. And, and again, as with all things, this is not a recommendation. But something interesting that I've been focused on recently is you know, the renewable energies um, and the stocks associated with them. And here's why. Um, when, when you look out into next year, a lot of this ESG stuff is just getting rolling. A lot of it was been put into place in the last year, last two years. I think last, next year, ESG will even be a bigger story. And one of the things that you have, again, it goes right along with all the other things that we see in society as well, is that you have, and you have it right now. And I think it's only going to be increasing, um, You have way more money flowing into those types of investments than there are investments. And I think that anything that is going to be called ESG for the next 12 to 16 months is probably going to go way up. And it will have nothing to do with the underlying value. So in that way, it'll be similar to moves that we've seen in a lot of these ridiculous coins that have been launched. Um, But to me, it just comes down to fund flows, meaning there just aren't enough companies for the amount of money that's flowing into there. And you also have this new kind of justice warrior investor out there that thinks stocks can only go up, right? That are anesthetized by the longest bull market and highest valuations in history. And people don't, right? In those environments, we all got to sit back and look at human nature. In those environments, people feel an artificial sense of security and they feel probably unduly and over safe. And so their investment outlook begins to drift, and this is always the case. You see it over bull markets. People, you know, people start off very conservative and turn into pirates by the end of them, because everything has resulted in higher prices. So that's been reinforced. Um, now, if you're going to play this, okay, you need to do You need to know what you're doing, because this is a trade. Okay, I, I think the valuations of these companies are already way beyond anything that is justifiable on a financial basis or a macroeconomic basis, and I think they're going to go a lot higher. But what that means is you're investing in something for other than financial reasons, which means they are sentiment-based, which means you need to have a quick trigger finger and you need to pay attention to technicals and you need to have a plan. Okay, So I'm not advocating you to go out and start buying these ESG things at all. And I don't know that we will. It's something that we're looking at about with a portion of our portfolio. But if we do it, there will be stop losses and hedges right alongside the longs just because we know we're playing with fire. But if you want a prediction for this year, I think that this is going to be the year for ESG investing. And the only thing I really see potentially getting in the way of that is inflation, meaning um, if they do follow through with three rate hikes and continue to smash down the amount of QE they're doing quantitative easing, then I think it's very likely that a lot of those ESG stocks are going to get flushed away right along with the other ridiculous high flyers. But um, again, I'm not advocating you do this. I'm just saying, I, I think the situation is ripe for that. I also think it's kind of a great way to pair exposure on energy, right? If you've got a big exposure to energy, I think it's the other way to play it because I think if energy doesn't do well, I think that will for a variety of different reasons and I could be wrong. But if you want to YOLO stuff and you want to go where the next hot thing is, I think it's probably going to be an ESG and I don't think it's really going to be tied to you know, announcements or profitability or revenue increases. I think it's just going to be about money flooding into that sector. I think it's going to be that simple. And like I said, you just got all this money and it's got very few places to go. So... Um, <clears throat> other than that, I still think having a little cash on the sidelines is, is not a bad idea. Uh, just cause you do have some headline risk out there. Um, if you've followed us and, and you think that energy is a great buy, you got to keep a tight level. You got the XOP right now at 95. Okay. 96, somewhere in there. Uh, that 88, $89 level. It's the same as with arc. Okay. It breaks that level. You need to hedge or you need to drastically pull back on energy. And like I said, guys, you can't say, oh, well, there's so much value in it. Yeah, there is. But I'm just telling you, it's crazy. It's priced this way right now. It makes no economic or financial sense. Unless you think oil is going back to 35 or 40. Okay. And I just don't be surprised when things that are ridiculously cheap get more ridiculously cheap, which is why I said, don't be surprised if art goes back to 150. Right? It's already disconnected from fundamental valuation. So don't expect it not to stay that way right? Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. That's why we took that small profit and arc. It wasn't what I thought we were going to make. It wasn't what I hoped we'd make, but it's better than getting run over. And these are also the advantages guys of active management. If you know what we're doing, there's a reason why the vast majority of the most wealthy people in the country do not just buy index funds and ride the thing. Okay. There's a reason why, right? Why? Why? Because they understand the advantages of active managing when done correctly. Most importantly, they understand the value of not losing when markets get killed. That's when wealth is generated. And yet, most of you retail investors have portfolios that work exactly the opposite way. You're guaranteed to be down at least as much as the market when the market goes down. They're like, "Well, I was only down 24% last March, and the market was down. Well, that's because 40% of your money's tied up in bonds, and they were down 18." And they've got no chance of making any money. So it's not risk management. It's just poor investments that just lost less. Right? So there's a better way to do this. There's also a way to do it where when you call panicked on Monday because you think the market's still dropping, you check your account. Oh, you're flat on the day. Why? Because we reached our risk maximums. We're not going to risk any more capital. We manage retirement money. We cannot let a catastrophic loss happen. Why? Because it would ruin our clients and it would ruin our business. My income is tied to the value of your account. If you lose 40%, my income goes down 40%. And I got three kids under the age of 12. I keep <laughs> You guys know how expensive that is. And again, look at the performance, guys. We're going to show you performance that over that last crazy three, month, three years, we beat the S&P 500 straight up. Am I guaranteeing we'll do it every year? Absolutely not. But what I am illustrating to you is that there is a better way. And it doesn't mean you have to make nothing. It doesn't mean you have to sit on a pile of gold and cash and watch it do nothing for 15 years. right? It just means that we can play this game with the net underneath us at all time. And sometimes it might cost us a little upside. Other times it makes us more upside. Point is, is we're not taking the risk of catastrophic loss. We're doing it all at cheaper prices and we make more money. There's a better way. There's a reason why all the richest people in the world do not put their money in mutual funds and index funds. Because there's a better way. So give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Follow us on Twitter, at KYR Radio. I'll say it again. If you like the show and you don't like podcasts, just do us a favor and still subscribe. It helps build our subscriber numbers and lets us get bigger people, attract more people to come on as, as an audience, and only you will benefit. Also, it doesn't cost anything, guys. It's 100% free. i are not trying to get you to put my money in my pocket. free. Anyway, we got to go now because I want to get at least the last six or seven minutes uh, of the show dedicated to the interview I did with Brent Johnson. I think he's got very important things to say about the U.S. dollar, Um, and if you want to hear the remainder of that show, the remainder of that interview, excuse me, uh, you need to go to the podcast. The interview in its entirety will be there. Just should be the most recent post. And uh, you can hear the rest of me and Brent's talk. I strongly recommend it. Anyway, we got to run. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful new year. God bless you all. And look forward to 2022. And we'll see you next year. Got to run. Have a great weekend and great Christmas. Uh, You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.
0: This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
2: Hey, it's Tory Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? ironically bonds really why because of all this money printing and the fact that
1: we're still at zero interest rates it's likely to create some serious inflation and inflation crushes bonds if your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds you may need a bond replacement strategy now get our free booklet common sense investing to learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss but still seek market gains our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost
2: call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement where the firm's license to conduct business. Bulwark Capital's DBA of Clerk Creek Financial Management, registered investment advisor.
3: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management.
1: And welcome back to the show. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. And once again, it's my time, my favorite time, uh, rolling out the end of year interviews. Uh, And one guy that we had not talking to in nearly, it had been too long, quite frankly. And I was thinking to him, because of some recent activity in currency markets, and when I think currencies, specifically the U.S. dollar, there's one one name that comes to mind. And that's Mr. Brent Johnson. Brent uh, is kind enough to join us today. Brent, thank you so much for being with us, man. It's great to have you back on the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, anytime, pal, anytime. Um, w- w- let's see. I was sitting there watching this recent run of the U.S. dollar, and I thought to myself, you know, we got to get Brent on before the end of this year to get a summary of what's going on. Um, sure. There's interesting things happening in currency world. From the currency perspective, and I know you look at other things, commodities, but I know that you're focused like a laser beam on the U.S. dollar, as am I. Not, not to the level you are. Uh, but kind of give us a summary of what you've seen this year, uh, specifically in the dollar and the way that's interacted, the role it's playing around the world. And, you know, are we seeing any new developments? Are things moving further down the path toward your milkshake theory? Kind of give us an update on where we're at and when kind of sure. where we end the year
3: well i, I think it's been a, a, a pretty interesting year um you know it's like you said you know i don't just do currencies um i do a lot I, actually the reality is, is i don't do a lot of currencies um i mainly invest in other things it's just that i think currency plays uh an important role in making that decision when you look at things kind of on a global basis and i think it probably plays a bigger role now than perhaps it ever has before or or i think it will play a bigger role maybe i should say than it ever has before and so i think we're we're starting to see that a little bit um you know going into this year um you know the kind of one of the more consensus calls was for to be long emerging markets and short the dollar uh and long precious metals because you know inflation was just absolutely guaranteed to be here and stay and it has we, we have had inflation um, but you know emerging markets haven't done especially well uh, gold and silver are down for the year and lo and behold the dollar's up you know five six seven percent for the year and you know i think a lot of people are kind of shaking their heads and kind of wondering why that is you know the government printed all this money i mean i think in the last you know, call it 12 to 18 months, they printed $2 trillion. How in the world can you print $2 trillion and not have uh, the dollar go down? Well, it's because everybody else is doing the same thing we are, right? And that's kind of kind of what I've been pounding the table on um, for the last several years now uh, because I think, it, and not, not necessarily because I want to be right. I mean, of course I want to be right. Everybody wants to be right. But at the end of the day, I don't really care whether I am or not. It's just that I, I think I'm going to be and i think a lot of people have just kind of accepted the fact that the fed's going to print money the dollar's going to lose value and so that's a really easy trade all you got to do is go long you know uh, equities and gold and commodities and everything's going to be just fine and that might work out but i don't think it's a given and so i've tried as best i could perhaps with a with some with some humor some sarcasm some, and perhaps sometimes just some some anger you know, to kind of pound that, <laughs> pound the table on that to get people to, to listen, because <laughs> I, I think it's going to play an outsized role in, in the next couple of years. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that if that, if that helps kick things off for our conversation or not. But, uh, but I do. I always think it's interesting when the most consensus trades don't play out because they often don't.
1: Yeah. No. And and you know, it goes back to the first time I heard you talk <clears throat> on a on a Real Vision uh, video. And you and I have discussed this, too, and I we've discussed it at length in the past, so I don't, I, we don't need to go down that path again. But but the one thing that um, I would like everybody that's listening to this and, – and by the way, the introduction was uh, – we get back on the phone, and I just want to start talking shop here. Uh, Brent, Brent is the proprietor of SantiagoCapital.com. You can follow him on Twitter at at Fund. Or go to SantiagoCapital.com, get his thoughts. He's phenomenal about responding to emails. He takes questions, far too many, in my opinion, for his own sanity. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I'm sure you agree at times. Um, At times. (laughs) So uh, one of the things, before you write this off, before you hear two guys talking about dollar strength, just hear us out because I think that you and I came to that opinion kind of on a similar path in the sense that it was my uber you know i've always said that or we you and i you might have said it first joking around about you know the ultimate dollar bear becomes a dollar bull right um and that's how and it sounds funny but but it brought up a question that we have discussed again you brought up the inflation um i think that there is inflation going on i just don't think it's the textbook type of inflation that so many other people you know have been waiting for would like to hear your thoughts on what type of inflation if you see a if you see some or if you think, you know, if this is all just transitory, if it's supply chain, you know, I want to get into that. Um, but I also want to talk about how we got to this, how that being the ultimate dollar bear is the ultimate dollar bull, because I think, you know, what is the U.S. dollar anymore? I don't think people really have a good understanding of that because it's really, in my opinion, not really a currency. I've, I've said many times I feel like it's more like the VIX for currencies at this point. Um, yeah. So, what is the U.S. dollar at this point, from from your view, and 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 that definition will probably point to why you think that it could go a lot higher than most think, and then also, how do you categorize what we're seeing called inflation right now? Well, how would you categorize it?
3: Yeah. So, well, first of all, let's, let's just start off with with the dollar itself, and w- w- when I talk about the dollar, what I mean, and et cetera, et cetera. So, I often, you know, on interviews or presentations, or you know. Um, podcasts like this, whatever it is, or, or even on Twitter, I'll reference the dollar index, which is DXY. Now the dollar index is actually a rather narrow index. It's basically 55% uh, to the euro, I think 10% to the yen, and the next 35% is spread across a couple of the Nordic countries in Switzerland and the UK. So, it, you know, it's basically a, against a basket of, call it five or six currencies. And again, mainly against the euro. And, I am the first to admit that that's a very narrow index, but I just use it because a lot of other people use it. I started talking about it a couple years ago and I feel now if I feel like if I changed it, then everybody's like, oh, you're moving the goalposts, right? So <laughs> I, you know, you don't <laughs> feel so, like that.
1: You know, that's what i no, saying.
3: Yeah, of course they would. Of yeah. course they would. And then the other thing people will. And so for, you know, I, I've been saying that the, the, the dollar is not going to lose value. It's going to gain value. And. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to gain against assets. Uh, you know, I, I've never been one who just said you should sell everything you own and just hold a big pile of dollars and wait for the inevitable crash to come. I, I've never said that at all. I don't, th- I, and, I, and I am not saying that now. And I don't think that you you should do that. I definitely think people should have some cash in their portfolios and some cash to use as either optionality or you know to to to, to, to help them get through any you know drawdowns that their other investments experience, but. Um, you know the the point that i've tried to make is that the dollar can absolutely lose value in real terms and still absolutely crush every other currency in the world and so when i when i you know <laughs> I, I i always crack up because i'll i'll say the dollar's going to get strong versus its peers and then people say yeah but not versus assets or not versus gold or not versus bitcoin and i kind of feel like that's you know It's like comparing a a, a pro sports athlete to a thoroughbred, you know, you know, you could say, you know, Carl Lewis was the fastest guy in the 1980s. I say, yeah, but he still couldn't beat a horse. Well, of course he couldn't beat a horse, you know, and you know, you shouldn't be comparing when I say the dollar is going to crush the other currencies. That doesn't mean that it's not going to lose against stocks or gold or real estate or whatever it is. The problem is, is if the U.S. dollar rises versus other currencies, let's just forget assets for now. Forget commodities, forget any. If it just rises versus its peer fiat currencies, it will break the entire global monetary system. Or if it rises too much, it will break the Because the monetary system is not designed in a way that allows the global reserve currency to continually rise without having a giant deleveraging um, credit contraction um, associated with it. And I I can show you a chart going back over the last 25 or 30 years. And every time there is a crisis or an economic slowdown, it coincides with dollar strength.
1: All right, guys. Due to time constraints, unfortunately, we've got to end the interview right there. But as I said earlier, if you want to hear the rest of the interview in its entirety, which I strongly recommend, go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com or just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on uh, Stitcher we're on. Virtually every podcast setup there is. Okay, and then like I said, do us a favor and subscribe. It boosts our numbers, help us to get other good guests on the show. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it and you will not want to miss our roundtable discussion with Chase and Marcos next week. Uh, 45 minutes of that will be aired during the regular show. Again, if you want to hear it in its entirety, you can get that on the podcast. Have a wonderful Christmas. We'll see you next year. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.
0: Opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Lowark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Clear Creek Financial Management, a registered investment advisor.